Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDK. All right, this is your pilot speaking. This is why I put it on autopilot because the stars of our weekend magazines take over now. We begin with the organic gardeners, Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser. If you would like to call them and talk gardening, and why wouldn't you on a dreary day like today, right? You want to think spring, you want to think gardening. So it's 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access at kdk.com. And let's take the 10th caller right now, right off the top to win an amazing $25 gift certificate from the Sorgals out in Wexford. It's a 412-922-1020. Doug Oster, Jessica Walliser, where would you two like to begin? Good morning. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and everybodygardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. I want to start with daffodils because I am so excited. I texted Jess yesterday and I said... First off, I bought everything at Han. I I told everybody in advance, hey, they're seventy five percent off. I said it on TV. I let the bulbs they just sat there. You know, nobody's buying bulbs anymore. So I went there yesterday, and I'm like, uh, I want everything. All. I want everything. And now I'm I'm like, okay, now what's next? Let's see. I'll first I'll text Jess and see because I'm expected to hear. No, I'm done. You know, I don't want to add. And like, yeah, sure, I'll take some. So I got three giant boxes of daffodils in my car that we're gonna look through. After the show, and you get to pick whatever you want, and then I'm going over later today to my son's house, and we're going to plant daffodils together. Oh, yay. Just like we used to, because I used to, you know, I'm always adding all these bulbs every year, and so when the kids were little, I would just be, you're grounded, and then they would have to help me plant the bulbs. That was part of the grounding. Yeah, and so when I had like a thousand bulbs, I was really strict. Otherwise, I'm treat dad. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited. And, you know, seriously, it's probably a a thousand bulbs. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just like. Well, that's a no time at all to plant those with your bulb auger. That, like that I'm, doesn't take. I'm very telling long. you, man, that yeah. bulb auger. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. Do you do them that way, or you just? Uh, dig well, a hole? I won't today. I'm gonna do like a, I'll dig a hole and put like five or eight bulbs in one hole because I want it to look like a more of a clump. Yeah. yeah. But I told you they have to be deer proof, rodent proof, chipmunk proof, squirrel proof, whatever bulbs you give me because. We have all of those issues at the house, and daffodils will fit the bill. I did an interview um, with somebody at Phipps, and when they plant their bulbs, they put a little bit of Repelzol in. In the hole with mm-hmm. it? Really? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Okay. With the granular, obviously. Yeah. The granular yeah. repellent. You know, for daffodils, it's no big deal. But I actually, you know, I planted a bunch of bulbs last weekend, and... I had them digging the daffodils out, not eating them. They're just like, oh, oh, it's a daffodil, yeah. you know. And I found pieces of crocuses around too, and I really? must have, I must have put in, I don't know, a lot of crocuses, and I don't know what's going to be left. Usually, they don't get them till the next year, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But somehow they found some of them. Yeah. Uh, what can you do? I don't know. Not uh, plant crocus, I guess. 
Yeah, you know, what is that one variety? We talked about it off the air. Uh, Thomasianus, I think, is yeah, the one. The Tommy Crocus, yeah. The Tommy Crocus, I put some of those in because Brent from Brent and Becky's Bulbs told me that that one, for some reason, it doesn't taste yep. like a nut to them. Yep. And that might be the variety that I'm, I've been looking for because I've been look what what's been blooming is really early, I thought, was snow crocus. Mm. So I put a bunch of snow crocuses last year. Well, these other ones bloom first and then the snow crocuses. Okay. So maybe, because I was looking at them, maybe those are the super early ones. We'll see. We'll see the spring. We'll mm -hmm. see what makes it. I hope uh, I hope they make it. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I so too, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I know the daffs. I know the daffs will. Yeah. But I put all sorts of weird stuff in. I got all sorts of, of, of weird stuff. And uh, I also want to talk about this... Uh, this poor, this poor couple, Edward and Audrey Kramer, got busted in Buffalo Township. Uh, this is according to a suit that they're filing against the police for growing hibiscus plants because uh, some guy from their insurance company came to to to. to you know, adjust something, saw a tree fell or something, and he saw these plants and he thought they were marijuana. He took pictures and sent them to the cops, and the cops came and busted these people. And like, I mean, the the guns, the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's 69, she's 66, and drag her out in her underwear uh, with no shoes on, on a gravel road, and stick her in the back of a car when it's 82 degrees, and leave her there for four and a half hours. You know, again, according to the suit. <laughs> and there's, I just, I can't believe it. I, and they're blooming. The hibiscus plants were blooming. I. Oh, I, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Oh. So I guess, I mean, for me, the difference between hibiscus and a marijuana leaf well, the variety of hibiscus they were growing is a really highly serrated leaf. So, like, for an yeah. average layperson to look at that plant and look at it and the stature of it, and I could see how there might be an initial, oh, wait a second, what is that? But the in-the-bloom thing, yeah. and if they had had, I mean, this would be, uh, if they would have had a horticulturist like me, right, come over and look, I could have told them in, like, two seconds that that was not a marijuana plant. So they should have somebody well, on staff had, that cannot properly ID If you plant. would have had somebody who grew up in the 70s, like me, right. <laughs> I could tell you right off the bat what it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. oh, I just, I can't believe it. And the, uh, there was a, uh, my friend uh, Paul Martino did a TV piece on it. And the woman, Audrey, was crying because she can't sleep now. Oh. She's like, you know can't be left alone at home, you know. The According to this suit, she says the cops told her, your husband's been lying to you, he's growing marijuana. You know, yeah. that's not hibiscus, that's marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it's a gardener's, it's a it's a gar gardener's nightmare. And yeah. I, I posted uh, some stuff on Facebook, because I grow a plant that looks a lot more like marijuana than that hibiscus does called false aurelia. So... We'll talk about it a little bit when we get back from the break. Hey, congratulations to Edward of Scott Township, the winner of that $25 gift certificate from Sorkle. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. Right now it's about gardening with Doug and Jess. So let's say hi to Dave and Vandergriff. Dave, good morning. Welcome to the program. Uh, 
good morning, uh, Doug and Jessica. I'm Dave the Barber from Vanager, so I need all the help I can get. All uh, right. I have, uh, well, you know what? You know what's always interesting I can share with you, too, that guys always come in and get hair and put it around their garden and keep the deer out and all kinds of that stuff. But people say, does that work? I say, I have no idea. But anyways, the questions I have for you two guys is uh, I have an elk. First of all, I have a hobby farm out here, and if I was to feed my family all the things I provided, my family would be starving. But I need all help. But anyways, I have I have an alkaline soil. Now I have a sawmill on my property here. Now my soil, when I check it at pH level, it says alkaline in it. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I have a sawmill here. Okay. Can I take the sawdust and 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 put that on there? I mean, can you help me with that? Sure. So how alkaline is alkaline? Ah, uh, geez, it just I think it just says. You know what? That's a good question. I know it's not in the five or six uh, numbers that it should be. It's real high. It's much higher. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So six 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 point five six point five is your typical your your target for the vegetable garden, which is slightly acidic. Way 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 right above that. So I I'm going to suggest to you that you don't use those the sawdust right on the garden, and here's why: because that's in a really fresh state. And what happens when you put fresh, uh, either fresh wood chips or fresh sawdust like that onto the soil, uh, yes, it will eventually alter the pH a little bit, but as in in the short term, it uses nitrogen. Okay. It pulls nitrogen from the soil to break it down, okay. and that can okay. cause a deficiency, temporary deficiency symptoms in plants. So okay. you well, that, don't want to do the that. Direction I want to go, though, yeah. right? Well, yeah, you do. But what I'd like to see you do is use that sawdust to make a compost pile and use okay. grass clippings and some nitrogen ingredients. Um, okay. which would be, you know, grass clippings, plant trimmings, that's, things like that. Uh, in combination, wonderful. you could even, what's a great thing to do is mix it with manure. If you have a neighbor with horse or cow manure. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I have manure here. I can do that, too. Okay. okay. What would the ratio, well, hold on. What, and I want to thank, go what, ahead. What would the ratio be that he would want to mix that sawdust with the manure so or you, other greens? So you want about th- uh, two to three times by volume as much okay. sawdust as you have of the green ingredients, whether it's manure okay. or plant okay. clippings. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a great that's a great idea. That'll give me 107 things to do out here in the farm. Right, um, there you go. Listen, listen um, one more thing, and I, and I really love your show. I, I don't do anything religiously, but I listen to your show religiously. Woo-hoo. But listen, uh, I have one more thing. I, I plant uh, tiger uh, grass, okay? You know, like, you know, the grass, the wild grass or whatever. Okay. And that's the type, that's the type, and I can't get it to grow. Now, I thought the deer were eating it off, okay? And I thought this, and I thought this. It just won't grow. The other grasses that I plant will grow, but I can't get this one specific brand. It's it says tiger on it. So it's Does like an ornament. Sense? It's an ornamental grass. It grows exactly. in a clump, exactly. and, and an you plant it in your flower bed. Exactly. So one thing I would double check is that you want to make sure that it's hardy here, because there are some ornamental grasses that are sown, like for example the the red miscanthus okay. grass. That's okay. not actually okay. hardy here. It's grown as an annual. Uh, so okay. I would double check. I don't know that All specific right. variety, but it might okay. not be one that's hardy here. And there are yeah, plenty that, of that, ornamental that, grasses that are hardy here that do beautifully. So yeah, I would my other grasses switch. do great here, but this. This is the only specific grass. Don't go. I'm thinking the deer only specifically eat this one. But I. But that's not. But listen, I, I thank you both so much for all the information. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And if you need any questions about barbering, give me a call. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. How else would you uh, amend that soil without compost to get the uh, to get the 
pH right. Yeah, it's weird that he has such alkaline soil here in western Pennsylvania because typically we have, you know, more acidic soils here. We usually have like, you know, pH of 5 or 5.5 and we have to raise that pH with lime. But in this case, he has to he's got very alkaline. Way. He's got a pocket of alkaline soil that needs so you could use something like um sulfur. So elemental pelletized sulfur which you can get at the garden center, that would also adjust. And when you get that soil test and it comes back saying, you know, your pH is really wrong for the plants that you're growing, it will often tell you what you should well it does tell you the Penn State's test will tell you what you should use to correctly and how much of it to use to correctly judge that, uh, just that pH. Because you don't want to go too much in one direction or the other, or you could really impact the way your plants grow. Let's say hi to John up next on News Radio 1020, KDK. Good morning, John. Good morning. I unfortunately have to change my, uh, my agendas now that all of my dahlias have died off. That's a real sad thing. But uh... <laughs> Well, you had a nice long oh. season for them, so that's good. Oh, it was fabulous. <laughs> it was great. Say, I have a question about Rose of Sharon. Um, I know that's one of your favorite subjects, Doug. Oh, yeah. Uh, And one of Jess's favorite plants. Yes. Well, (laughs) I I got something for both of you because I I have uh, a number that uh, I encourage in in different spots around my yard. And I have a row of them across this portion of the back uh, that provides a wonderful backdrop along the fence. Uh, But, of course, they have shed their, uh, their seedlings, and there's a big patch in front that I've just been cutting down, cutting down, cutting down. And now I, I want to convert it, uh, that part, to grow some um, milkweed so I can Yay. feed the butterflies. Um, and I'm wondering how I can stop all of that because there's huge, you know, small root structures on the ground. And years ago, I had the problem with bamboo from my neighbor's yard, and I eventually had to put plywood down to keep that stuff from coming up. There was nothing that would stop it. Well, and, uh, Rosa Sharon isn't quite as invasive, but it's up there. Yep. That's why uh, Jessica hates uh, Rosa Sharon when they get started mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would dig out as much as I could dig out uh, yeah. and then, you know, try and get that milkweed established because the milkweed, once it gets going, the common milkweed, there's no stopping that either. Okay. Yeah. And, right. you know, I just learned about a really cool tool that is would be perfect for this uh, exact example. It's a tool called the Weed Wrench. And I, weed I the weed wrench, and it's just a guy. He has a patent on it, and he makes them. And in, and he's um, he shares the patent with I think one other company, but I don't know the exact name of that company. But if you go to we, like search weed wrench, it's a cool. It's like a prying tool that has a little. Um, it has a little grip on it that grips around the trunks of really small saplings and seedlings like that, and then you pry it out of the ground. And everybody that does invasive plant removal, like, uh, you know, through the organizations that do it, swear by this tool. And this would be a perfect example of a a place where you could use it, and it would be really, really effective. You could use either the weed wrench or a jackhammer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think a a heavy-duty landscape cloth would stop it or will it go No, I mean, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't try to do fabric in this case. I would really try to dig them out and actually get rid of them that way. And then make sure you shear the plants after they have their seed pods so they don't do it again. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, before we get to break, tell them about your trip. Yeah, I just want to talk real quick about Ireland because it's almost sold out. I'm going to be going there in June. If you're thinking about coming... Uh, now's the time to sign up. We're going all over the country, Dublin and Kilkenny, Waterford, Blarney Castle, 
everywhere. We get a personal guide with us. Uh, it's mid-June. If you would like to come with me to Ireland, it's a great price point. You can look at uh, everybodygardens.com. It's there or at my Facebook page or just give me a call at 412-965-3278. That's 412-965-3278. All right, Doug and Jess have some room on the phone lines if you'd like to call and get a question in. I promise you, if you call now, we're going to get you on the air in the next half hour. We've got uh, three lines available at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDK. Ask and you shall receive. Now we've got every single line on hold from Forest Hills to Rochester, Homestead, and Clarion. We will get to Claire, Don, Jerry, and Bob, all of you in a moment. Tenth caller right now wins that amazing gift certificate from Janoski's and Clinton Christmas Open House. Saturday, Sunday, December 2nd and 3rd. Don't want to miss that. It is 412-922-1020. And Jessica right now. Yes, I wanted to mention real quick, I mentioned that tool called the Weed Wrench. Um, and actually, that guy stopped making the product, so there's a new one. And this is great, again, for pulling out saplings, invasive plants, and young trees. Uh, if you're clearing an area, uh, as the gentleman that called us before was clearing out some um, uh, Rosa Sharon seedlings. So the website is called theuprooter.com, theuprooter.com. And it's an uh, alternative to the weed wrench, which is now no longer being manufactured. But this one is a little bit lighter, and uh, this is the one that everybody tells me for removing invasive plants is the tool to use. So, yeah, hopefully that'll help. All right, number to dial again, 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdk.com. Here's Claire in Forest Hills. Hey, Claire, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is for, for Jessica. Uh, I want to know if ticks can live after there's a frost. If they can? Is that did you, what you said? If they can. Yeah, yeah. so... One or two light frost, yes, they can, especially if they're sort of in a sheltered area. So you might still find them on your dogs and things this time of year. But once we get really sustained, long, cold temperatures, then they typically do die. I was uh, up on Chestnut Ridge with the arborist, mm -hmm. and it was probably January, and it was like 10 degrees, and she found a tick. Yeah. You know. Yep. If they have a nice little tucked-in sheltered area, they, yeah. It's possible. The reason but... I asked Jessica, mm -hmm. Jessica is because Dr. Mike was on Larry Richards one morning, and he said they live all winter. Now, that is not uh, that I know of. I mean, as far as I know, they're usually killed by sustained long, cold temperatures. Uh, uh -huh. It could be a, a case where... You know, with the climate changing, our winters being less cold for, you know, it's not such long, prolonged periods of cold so much anymore as it used to be when, say, I was a kid. Um, right. You know, then they can survive that. It also may be a case of the ticks becoming hardier, right, as they, you know, uh, have the last generation left at the end of the season, maybe have become hardier as well. They but not to, be, to my knowledge. They seem to be worse. They seem to be Oh, know, definitely. Worse. Yeah. Boy, yep. we've got them like crazy in yep. the woods where our woods. Yep, we do too. And we they're at where I live, they tend to be worse in the spring for people. We're at, um, they're bad right now for us. Are they? Yeah, just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, congratulations, Darlene, the winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. Enjoy it. Let's go to Don. Hey, Don, good morning. Welcome to KDK. Good morning. How are you folks today? Good. What's going on? I uh, ran out of space to plant my tulip bulbs. So uh, as a, a remedy, I was going to put them in like uh, 
uh, baskets that I put on my front porch and put them in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then once they start to sprout and I forgot where I planted all my bulbs, then I could transplant them. Is that going to work, or do I just need to leave the naked bulbs in the? How cold is your ba- How cold is your basement? I don't know, 40 degrees, 50 degrees. Okay, so most tulip bulbs need a sustained period of below about, it depends on the variety, but between 40 and 45 degrees. They need to be below that temperature for probably about 8 to 10 weeks in order to initiate flowering. And if they don't have that cold period, they're not going to be producing any blooms. So if unless you can guarantee that your basement is going to be below that temperature for that many weeks, I would not do them in the basement. Um, I would actually, if you can, pot them up in the pots, and then you can sink the pots in the ground somewhere outside, maybe in your vegetable garden or out in the compost pile. Just sink them up to their upper rims and then um, and for that 8 to 10 weeks, and then you can lift them out and then grow them in, indoors or put them on your front porch or whatever. I always, I always say there's always space. <laughs> you'd be much, you'd be, it'd be much easier just to get them in the ground Find find a couple little places for them. Yeah, if you could yeah, do it. Yeah, but once once you once you've already destroyed a couple of bulbs, you know you get kind of disheartened. At least I got disheartened. Yeah, yeah. And for me, you know, I, with the rodents eating the tulip bulbs, I don't even plant tulips anymore because uh, I know I'm going to lose them to either the deer or the chipmunks or the voles. So I don't plant them anymore. But actually, in containers like that, sunk in the ground, they usually do quite well. You have to have them sunk in the ground or otherwise insulated because if you just leave those tulip bulbs in an exposed pot, they're going to freeze out and turn to mush. So sinking that pot down into the ground is is the best bet for them. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. All right, let's say hi now to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got a, a real problem here. It has to do with Japanese knotweed. It's a, a very invasive type of a uh, uh, wild plant from Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's like it, they, they manufacture res, resveratrol from the roots. But the thing is, I don't want that. It goes up through everything. It goes into my garage, coming into my cellar. You cannot believe how in, uh, invasive. How, do, how does one get rid of this? I don't want to use any type of a chemical thing. Of it. Some people tell me take Boraxo and everything. I, can you help me out? I'm, I'll, I'll let you, I'm going to listen to you on the radio. All right. Okay? Uh, boy, we feel your pain. Yes, we do. Uh, the only way I've been able to get rid of it, and it took me two seasons, was putting it on a weekly routine of taking my weed whacker string trimmer and cutting the top growth back every time I all saw it. All the way it. to the ground, yep. right? Yeah. As soon as I saw it and as I said it took two seasons and I eventually got rid of it. Yeah. You, you, the goal in that case with it's called top kill. The goal is to eventually starve the roots, right? So you're cutting off the source of photosynthesis and hoping that the roots will be starved out. You're lucky you were able to do it in two seasons because some people will do that for years with a big stand of it, it and was still one, have it. What was nice was it was just one little stand. Yeah. It hadn't expanded yet. I caught it early. Yeah. And, yeah, continual top cutting. But you don't want to get in there and start cutting it all up because you'll make more. Right, exactly. You know? So you cut those the stem off, and the, it will actually root. The pieces that are left there will root in place. Um, there was some study out in California at UC Davis where they looked at different methods of controlling Japanese knotweed without using chemicals. And the one that they found to be the most effective involves a boat tarp. Um, and this is what they do and they recommend to organic farmers is if you have a stand of it, cut the stand down to the ground, cover the entire stand with a big, huge 
boat tarp, like a heavy-duty tarp, and then bury, and it has to extend out beyond the edge of the cluster of Japanese knotweed by probably about five to six feet, and then you bury the edge of the tarp to keep it in place, and what that does, again, you're cutting off the source of photosynthesis and, and basically smothering out that plant, but you have to leave it in place for a couple of years in order for it to really be And effective. then, I, I don't know if you the saw this, weed. this part of the study, but they also put a giant boat on top of it. <laughs> Besides the tarp. <laughs> Thankfully, that is not true. It was just the tarp. But, you but you know, hey, the boat won't hurt, I'm sure, right? <laughs> All right. We'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay with us. If you'd like to join Doug and Jess, 866-391-1020. Bank, instant access, kdk.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020, KDKA. Okay, uh, Joe and Frank are here, getting ready for the Coons Cooking Hour, celebrating Thanksgiving with them. But right now, it's time for some words of advice from Jessica Walliser. From the newsroom, Jessica breaking, Walliser. Breaking news on ticks. Breaking news on ticks. I'd We've like been to talking issue about a, ticks all the whole, the whole break. break. I'd like to issue a correction on the ticks there. Uh, so the ticks do live through the winter, but they go into a state of the sort of the insect world's version of hibernation. However... Uh, the deer ticks can be active in the winter, they, but they are typically not. But we're seeing more and more of them being active in the winter. So it's not that they die, it's just that they go into that state of hibernation. But you can still see them in the winter. Yeah, Creepy when you have one of those it's on crazy, you. It's crazy, isn't like it? it? Yeah. All right. Get ready, because she's back. Yay! It's time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Denise, how are you? Well, I'm on the mend and rejoining the living world again. <laughs> yeah, I sent an email yesterday. Was, weren't sure you're going to get the sleep you needed, but it looks like you, you're ready to go, huh? I actually slept really well last night. I am so gr- You don't know how much you miss sleep until you really don't get a solid uh, night's sleep good. for seven weeks. Well, we're glad you're, you're feeling better. How's the new knee working? Uh, the knee is working pretty well. I still have to be a little careful, like on uneven surfaces. Mm-hmm. But I am, and the doctor and the physical therapy people are really happy with my knee. Cool. Um, I've just got to be careful for a while. Yeah, but you'll be back in the garden in the spring, I'm sure, right? Uh, I actually did wander out there the other day. Uh. <laughs> you know, be my careful. yard is not level at all. And so I did make it out to my garden with. Uh, my husband who held on to me and you know we all love indian summer it just lasted a little longer than i wanted it to this yeah year. yeah um, because i had loofahs still blooming and i'm like you know i finally sent my daughter out i said anything that's uh yellow and blooming pull it off the vine because <laughs> i want the loofahs to grow not any more you know right. flowers and so I am still waiting for them to actually dry out now. They finally died with that frost we had the other day. But it's been a long time. I just wanted to clean out my garden. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many, how, many, how many does that plant put on? How many loofahs does it put on? Well, I plant, had to plant it twice because the slugs got the plants early on. Uh-huh. Um, but I've got about 25 out there. Uh, I have the compact variety. It only goes 9 to 10 feet from okay. uh, Renee's. So, but I've still got a lot of loofahs. There's going to be a lot of Christmas presents <laughs> that way. Them. Look, good. look, Grandma, it's a loofah. <laughs> and they're a nice size, too. You can hurt 
somebody with them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, well, Denise. I'm glad you're feeling better. Good to have you back. All right, let's go to uh, Bob in Clarion. Hey, Bob, good morning. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners. Good morning. I'd like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you too. And uh, I'm thankful you guys are on here every weekend giving us the great information. Oh, well, we're well, thankful. Thank thankful to have so many great listeners. Um, I have a question for you. I have some blueberry and blackberry and raspberry bushes I planted along that property line on my uh, house there. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if there's a fertilizer or a food I can give them to help them uh, boost the harvest. Boy, each one's going to be a little bit different, you know. Uh, each one for the, what were they, blueberry, raspberry, and what else? Blackberry. Blackberry. Well, for raspberries and blackberries, I never fertilize mine. I just let them do their thing. They're a weed. <laughs> uh, right. But the blueberries, they need something special. They do. They need. They love acidic soil. Blueberries um, love, uh, you know, high acid soil. And so for them, you would want to fertilize with an acid-specific organic fertilizer. We like a brand called Hollytone. Uh, there's other brands of granular organic fertilizer for acid-loving plants, but Hollytone seems to be the one that's the most easy to find on the market. Spring, right? Uh, and that's, yeah, that's typically done in spring, uh, usually around late March, early April, before the plants come into flower. Um, make sure you prune those plants properly. That's really going to do more to affect the production, especially yeah, wanted, with the berries. I wanted to ask about that. When is pruning? Well, it depends. Well, for the blueberries, your pruning should be every March. And that is something that's so hard to do on blueberries because it, it involves removing the oldest canes. Uh, to keep the young canes producing and fruitful. And you should do that every March and just take one or two of the oldest canes out of that blueberry shrub. And that's it's hard to do. It's really hard to do, trust me. Uh, but it will make a huge improvement in continued production for the plants. And uh, as far as the raspberries go, it depends on what varieties you have. So I would do a little bit of research to, to learn the best way to prune those specific varieties, especially with the red raspberries. As many times as you have uh, explained how to prune raspberries i still can't remember so i never i never i just let i just anything that anything that put on fruit it turns brown i cut off then yep. i get plenty of raspberries did you get good blueberries this year i had this this past season was probably the best blueberry year that we've ever had at our house Big. because i had done a really heavy pruning two years prior mm. and they were i mean i had I had a picture up on facebook of three of my blueberries and one that I had gotten at the store uh, on my palm of my hand just to show the comparison. I mean, the ones we had were as big as a quarter. I mean, they were huge. They were the biggest blueberries we ever grew. Tasty and good for you. How about it? All right, short break. Back with more in a moment. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. The Allegheny Health Network Studios, Intercom Communications, Home of News Radio 1020, KDKA. Every Sunday, 7 to 8, it's Doug Oser and Jessica Walliser, TribLive.com. Doug from Everybody Gardens, of course, the Organic Gardens. Next hour, Coons Cooking Hour, Joe and Frank, all about Thanksgiving. And they've got some incredible specials waiting at one of their nine neighborhood Coons stores. By going to CoonsMarket.com, you can find out what's happening at Coons Quality Foods. Doug, Jess? I got a tweet from Mary D. What was the name of that tool again uh, for taking out it's just for taking out (laughs) removing rows of sharing it's it's 
Mary, it's, it's not just Rosa Sharon. <laughs> it's any invasive weeds, but obviously you're on your way to, to get rid of some Rosa Sharon. Right. It's the Uprooter, and uh, their website is theuprooter.com. U-P-R-O-O-T-E-R, uh, like you uproot a plant, uprooter.com. Uh, and we also would like to wish all of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We hope you have a great day filled with family and loved ones and yummy food, yummy organic food from your garden, if possible. It is. It is one of the greatest holidays because it's all about food. Food. What could be better than that, right? Well, we hope everyone has a good one. You have big plans? Uh, you know, the three of us and then two more people, so only five yeah. Are five you people. having something from the garden for part of the feast? Are you going to be able to well, harvest I, anything? Garlic. Yeah, that's I, good. I've, I've got greens out there. I don't know if I'll use it for it because there's so much food. Yeah. You know? I, I might save those greens for me. We have those for New Year's dinner. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or Christmas yeah. dinner or something. I wonder how many bulbs you're going to take when I get you out there. To... Well, I didn't know quite how many you had when you asked me if I wanted <laughs> to have There's some cool those. stuff in there. You Is know, there... you just take what you want because I have, I, 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 I can get it all in the ground. And I'm, like I said, I'm really excited about, uh, my son put a, a huge bed in, uh, in the spring and it's, it's banked a little bit. So it's a perfect place for daffodils. You know, she, he has deer really bad, you know, North mm-hmm. Hills. And I'm excited about planting together, so uh, that's going to be fun today. And then I'll get the rest of them in all, all next week. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.